Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports. I'm Jason Springer, joined in studio by my co-hosts again this week, Jeff Ruppberg and Ryan Strauss. We love being back with you this and every Sunday on 610 AM Sports ESPN Radio. Jeff, another fun week in Philadelphia sports. How are we doing today? Went, um, f- I'm doing fine. Sorry. What'd you do? Anything exciting this <laughs> I week? I did something. I went to a Flyers game on Tuesday night. How was it? And they actually won. Did that? They? they won four to nothing. Okay. And everybody was able to get a uh, Chick-fil-A uh, sandwich the next day. But well, that's reason I, enough to go to the game. Yes, that's right. But however, I saw the Flyers twice now in the last uh, couple of weeks, and they looked tired in the second and third period. The first game I saw a couple of weeks ago was terrible. They were just sloppy and they, they, they lost. But this one, they stopped playing after the first period. But and they still won 4 nothing. They won 4 nothing, but... Uh, Colorado's not having a great season. No, they're not. Well, the Flyers are, are, have had a struggling season. We'll talk a little bit about yeah, what, they, what they did or didn't do at the trade deadline. Ryan, were you anxiously watching the countdown clock for the trade deadline? Not, quite, not quite like the NBA trade deadline, though I did make it to a St. Joe's basketball game this week. Did you? It was senior night, and the most impressive part besides the game itself was the Hawk, who just kept flapping his wings the entire <laughs> game. without Really? Yeah, so the Hawk is on scholarship, and that's part of it is that they have to flap the whole game. So yeah. what, are, what are the tryouts for that? Like, I don't know. I, don't I probably know. wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, I get tired moving the microphone close to my face to do this show, so I don't really think I could flap the whole game. So I have a hard time sitting through it. Should we make you flap the whole show? It might be entertaining for our listeners. I'd be really out of breath by the time we get to, no, no, oh, I don't know, anyway. five minutes into the first segment. When we go on TV, we'll, uh, we'll make we'll sure. That. Yes, yeah, I'll we'll be, sure I'll be do that. flapping my hands. Well, speaking of TV, there's going to be plenty of opportunities to be on if you want, Jeff. You can run right down the parkway when the draft is here in Philadelphia coming in April. Yes. Uh, Are you going to go? I don't know. Let's see. Let's see if we could do a remote broadcast from that area. So for our listeners who aren't aware, the draft is going to be in Philadelphia April 27th to the 29th. It's actually kind of cool what they're going to do. The NFL is going to construct a 3,000-seat outdoor theater in front of the art museum. There'll be some tickets available through the lottery, probably not a ton. But then outside the theater, if you're not a ticket holder, there's going to be standing room on the parkway. They say it's a festival the size of 25 football fields, open free to the public and before and during the draft with huge LED screens to broadcast the action. So it'll be like Live 8. It <clears throat> it will be an opportunity to go. There's going to be exhibits and different things that you can see. Um, there's a combine corner, NFL virtual reality. They're going to have the Vince Lombardi Super Bowl trophy there. Um, samples of the NFL Museum, college football corner, the NFL draft experience. You can sit on sets. So it sounds like it's going to be a fun opportunity for fans if you want to go see a little bit of football history and learn what's going on. Ryan, would you go down there? I would probably go. I hope we can do a remote broadcast, but having lived in Chicago when they did the draft out there and tried to make it into a big hoopla, I didn't attend the festivities there, and I personally, not to be a Debbie Downer, but I just think the NBA or the NFL draft is made into too much of a spectacle. Wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoy it, actually. I, I sit and watch it. Of course I enjoy it. You guys are probably laughing at me. Like, no surprise. Are you the guy that sits there for like the entire seven rounds? And I'm the reason that they put uh, the combine of people running in shorts on the NFL network. I am that guy <laughs> who will put it on and watch it. So, yeah, I'll watch the draft. I enjoy the stories, and um, I enjoy being able to look back years later and have see ever, how right or wrong they were. I've never tried gone. running a 40. 
I, I just I can't even run down the hall. That's true. <laughs> I, I did. I, so here's the thing: those who can play sports do it, and those who can't talk about it. So that's why I'm in studio with you. Well, guys. have you seen every year Rich Eisen on the NFL Network runs the forty? I would probably blow, bro, blow a hamstring out the minute that we that the gun went off to run. That would probably happen. So I don't think that would be a good idea for me to do. I used to live in town. Yeah, right near there, uh, and I used to go to everything, every event, every every parade. So it should every, be fun down there. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. I'd have to drive now and uh, walk several blocks. But, they're uh, expecting two hundred thousand people there, Jeff. There is an exhibit I didn't mention that you might want to do. There's going to be a hundred yard zip line so that you can fly like an eagle. Yes, that's fine. I, I never, I've never done that, but I've been wanting to. Maybe our listeners, we could get some video of that. Uh, where are they going to put that zip line? It's apparently right on the parkway out there. Yeah, it's going to be really high. Great. Yeah. <laughs> you want to do it? Sure. Okay, we'll if, grab uh, video. Okay. You okay. Do that. We'll do. Is that, that how they're going to announce draft picks? I, so players fly. They're actually going to have a red carpet for them to walk in on. Jeff, I know you hate this part of it, that it's going to be a spectacle like this, but they'll have a red carpet for them to walk in on. And I don't know whether they'll run up the rocky steps of the museum, but I had heard that in the past that some athletes may want to do that after they're drafted. So I have no idea what will actually happen. And when they're out of breath at the top, then we'll go, well, geez, should we have drafted him? Is he gonna? Is he in shape? I mean, in one sense, it makes me think that people, you know, old school football people are kind of just cringing at this but at the same time you have to appreciate how hard these kids have worked to get to that point and to have their moment and being drafted it's the culmination of years of dedication to honing your craft and becoming what you are so i mean you have to respect that with the athletes um i didn't actually realize jeff were you aware uh, you're more of a historian than i am that the first nfl draft was held in a conference room at the ritz carlton in 1936 right yeah i and didn't it, know that it, it, and and it was held again in the uh 60s right 53 yeah. 54 56 yeah there was a bunch of yeah. years that it's been held in philadelphia so it's fun that they're bringing that tradition back here it's fun that the eagles have a first round draft pick that they got because of sam bradford uh, as he had of, the highest completion percentage in NFL history in one season. And uh, for what it's worth, and Minnesota can have that. Um, we actually won the coin toss, so we now have the 14th pick, and we know where we'll be picking. Uh, we're taping this show on Friday, and there's rumors right now that the Eagles may trade for Brandon Cooks from New Orleans. I hope they don't give up that much. I mean, Kendricks and the people that were going to go anyway. I Connor would, Barwin. I would do Kendricks in a second for Brandon Cooks. And a second, give yes. up a second. I would give up a second to get a number one receiver and give up a second round pick. And because I don't have faith that they'll pick a good second round pick to begin with. Right. So I'll take somebody that is, I know can play. He's only 23 years old too. He's 23 years old. You have the opportunity to sign him to a long-term contract. He'll fit it in your offense. He's kind of an X weapon where you can move him around and look for mismatches. You, you'd rather have him than Deshaun Jackson? Um, yes, he's younger, and in terms of long-term commitment and money for the team and team culture, yes, I would prefer to try and build with somebody who's on the up as opposed to taking somebody who's kind of reached their plateau who's going to stay there and start to go on the downside. I'd prefer him over an Alshon Jeffrey or somebody with a big money contract right now. Right. Gives us the opportunity to see what's there, see if we want to commit to him long-term. Obviously, that's something you think you're going to want to do, but if you can find yourself a weapon for your quarterback— I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. And then it lets you use that first-round draft pick on either a running back or a cornerback or a defensive back or a defensive end. All different opportunities that you free up by filling a need in free agency. Do you think they need a uh, defensive end 
um, more than a cornerback or a I think it's hard when you put a cornerback out on an island. They can only cover somebody for so long. And the Eagles' defense, although they got pressure, they didn't get enough sacks. We need more sacks. Right. And we need to make sure that, that we get that in order to be able to do what they want to do. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The uh, uh, Connor Barwin was terrific as a linebacker in a 3-4. But as a 4-3 uh, defensive end, uh, he he uh, he didn't do as well. No, and I, I mean, you think that he might be a chip that they could trade and get something yes. for him as well. So we'll have to see what the Eagles end up doing. There could be a lot of moves. A, a free agency period opens next week. This is the unofficial official tampering period where right. everybody has conversations that nobody has and nobody talks about, but right. magically all of a sudden there's all these deals announced on the first day. Right. I enjoy that hocus pocus oh, sure, that they talk yeah. about. Of Speaking of um, chip, you said... Chip Kelly is still unemployed. He may be in the media next. Oh, jeez. We'll be doing the same thing. We'll be all talking about sports. How does that make you feel? Uh, yeah. He can be a guest on the show. Uh, it makes uh, you feel like you want to start talking about the Sixers now, right? That's right, yeah. Well, yeah. so let's do that for a second. Before we move on, we'll have a guest in our second segment. But um, I have a basic question for you both. How are the Sixers team doctors still employed? Uh, well, maybe their contract runs for the whole year. So since we last spoke, um, Ben Simmons, who was announced that he would be out for the season during our last taping, uh, Joel Embiid is now out for the season as well. Right. Um, that was a day-to-day injury that turned into a half a season. Well, he started dancing, uh, doing doing dances for I don't know how long. You, it you was know what? Up he there, came but... back and played in that Houston game. Yeah, that when he happens. never should have played. Mm-hmm. So I'm less worried about the dancing and how they let him back on the court in that game for a primetime game for ratings to try and sell some tickets. That should have never happened with your asset. So I'm concerned that he's dancing if he's got problems, sure. But I'm more concerned that he was out there flopping around on a torn something in his knee, and he's gone for the season now. It's just another thing about the Sixers. Uh, Okafor last year drove 108 miles an hour over the bridge, right? And and, and now here's uh, Embiid dancing around and playing when he shouldn't be. It's what happens. Yeah, I mean, and then on top of that, you had Ben Simmons get a bone marrow injection in his foot, and now they're talking that he still might need surgery. I think it's just a little concerning for fans to not have a consistent word. And when you look at the Simmons situation, he could have been shut down for the whole season at the beginning of the year without having there be this uncertainty hanging over the team and not having him rush back to practice. In hindsight, again, I think that was bad. It definitely was not the best thing to happen. So let's talk about the team that's on the court right now. Well, I, I just have to a uh, quick story. Yeah, you you yeah, got to. I, I, I watched my cat chasing her tail the other day, and round and round and round she went, and uh, and I was laughing, and and then when she stopped, uh, I thought to myself, this reminds me of the Sixers, and of the Flyers, and of the Eagles. And then she looked at me with a, what did I do? And I went, yeah, that's the look that uh, the Sixers give. Like, what, what did we do? <laughs> Maybe she's upset that you haven't been able to raise her for Raise the Cat because the Sixers haven't been winning much lately. <laughs> Have you ever raised the cat, Jeff? No. Your cat would probably freak out if you did that. Raise her yeah. up, up to a, a height? Uh, not this one, no. But let's talk about the positive for a minute. We've got Dario Sarge playing really well. He's playing good ball. He's getting more minutes. You had Rashawn Holmes come in and play a little bit, play a good game after the trade for Noel out of here. So are you starting to see any pieces or have you lost all hope? 
I know you don't like the process. You don't want to think about that. You you believe it's a bad word, and I totally get that. Um, but are you seeing any signs of light, or do you just believe that we're in tank season four? No. Well, they have 21 games left. Uh, will they win any of them? I think they've proven that they can win without Embiid and Simmons. So I think they'll win a few. Maybe they'll make it to 25. It really doesn't matter anymore. They're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, I don't know whether they'll actually be tanking. I think they've always tried hard to win. Um, but it's the, the season is lost, and it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's over. There's, there's, there is no process. Well, after the Noel trade, you really saw in the Knicks game as well as the Miami game just how there's a lack of interior defense and rim protection right now. They don't have the same uh, depth in big men. They're playing Robert Covington at the four spot, and it, they're just an undersized team without Embiid. I'm of the, the belief, again, that Embiid might not ever be able to play 82 games, and a player like Noel is so valuable, so... It's just disappointing to see uh, how they're playing small ball at this point. Well, it is going to – we're going to have to see what they end up doing. Uh, it, the fact is our stars are not going to play together this season, and that was what we were hoping for. Everybody wanted to see Embiid and Simmons on the court together at some point to see what we had potentially and what pieces we need. At this point, you're not going to get to see that. We're going to get – some additional pieces in the draft, be it the Sacramento pick swap, the Lakers, if they fall into not top three, getting that pick. Uh, but I think they're going to be in the top three. Do you? Yeah, I do. And, and, and for the, what, third year in a row, the Sixers are not going to get a pick from them. It, it, the only saving grace right now is that it's a deeper draft uh, in, in past years in terms of the positions, the guards that the Sixers are going to be looking for. You hope that there is some depth that even if your picks don't work out the way that you hope that you get it, but it's not going to make fans feel much better. It's really hard. We talked about it on the show last week. Everybody focuses on the word the process and trust the process. I am starting to focus more on the word trust. So Kevin Durant hurt himself the other night, and he's going to be out for Golden State. And within eight hours, Golden State had the results of the MRI out, and they had a timetable for when he would be back. The Sixers don't do that. They hide news until it becomes public, and then they react once it gets out in the media. And it's just not an effective communication strategy because then you do become the cat chasing your tail. You're trying to catch up to a story that's running away and developing its own narrative. So instead of you have a player that's injured and he's going to recover, it's how injured is he? When did the injury happen? When did they find out how long he was going to be out for? Why didn't they announce it until right after season ticket push ended? It leads to other questions that undermine the trust that you need in the organization to believe as a fan that they're going to make the decisions that will put a winning team on the court for you. I definitely agree that that trust is eroding and that they could have done a better job with the medical situation. And the silver lining is that they won't be playing till next season. They have eight months to recover and they won't be playing basketball. And the silver lining is that it's not the same injury for Embiid. It's not the foot again. And so all things considered, the foot held up through this season. Right. And so he's going to come back next season with a, a half a season, a little more than that, under his belt. And he's going to be able to pick up, hopefully rested and healthy, where he can practice in the offseason as if he were a healthy athlete. That's your hope. And they could, they could stop with that 
rookie of the year stuff with Embiid because he didn't play enough games. I, I still think they might give it to him. I hope not. The funny thing is, if it wasn't him, Sarge would now probably be in the running for it. I mean, he's really he's turned into a tough performer, putting up double-doubles, making an impact on the game, shooting well, playing good defense, good teammate. Now, can we talk about the opposite end for a second? Anybody watch Jaleel Okafor the other night not play defense? Everyone was so surprised that that was the uh, gif or whatever. But the reality is that happens many times in a game with Jaleel Okafor. It does, and that's the maddening part. And I wonder what happens when he's at home next and he does that. Because that animated gif that appeared on the web of him really making no effort at all illustrated something that people have talked about quietly but has not been a focus publicly because of everything else that's gone on between the Noel trade and are you going to trade Okafor and are Embiid and Simmons healthy? Well, look, Noel's gone. Embiid and Simmons are out. So the story now becomes, what's going on with Jaleel Okafor? Does he have any value to move him in the offseason? I just think that he doesn't have the foot speed to keep up with like modern the modern NBA on the defensive end. If you give him the ball in the post, he can score, but... They're probably going to trade him in the offseason because he doesn't fit into the team. They need more defense, especially when Embiid's not on the floor. When you look at one of the reasons Brian Colangelo mentioned why they trade Noel supposedly is because they're going to have to commit a lot of money to Robert Covington. Mm-hmm. And I think that TJ McConnell will be in the team for years as a backup. I think that Nick Stauskas will as well. But when you look at the other guards that are long-term pieces, really the one that stands out is Rocco. Mm-hmm. Other than that, they're going to be short on big men, actually, now that they got rid of Embiid and that Okafor is probably going to be traded. They're going to have to look to get another big man somehow again, which is disappointing. They're going to need a big man that can play with this team, and that's the problem. I, I mean, I thought Indiana was a good landing spot for Okafor. I thought that was the type of offensive team that he could thrive in where he could play back to the basket. We've talked about it on this show for weeks. I just don't think he's fast enough. And, ag- and aggressive enough to run up and down the court with uh, Embiid and Simmons who are going to push the ball and be athletic. And he, and on defense, he gives you very little. I mean, I've seen people who are an, half his size that are more aggressive going for a rebound. The ball falls at his feet Rebounds, all yeah. the time. It's like, really, what is going on here? What's going on is this process that you were talking <laughs> about. Look at this. N- Noel was injured sat out a year, and then came back and played well, and then they traded him, right? Okay, Okafor comes in, can't play defense, and Bede is injured. He's out, what, two years, and now he came back, and he's good for half a season. Now he's injured again, right? Who else did they get on that uh, process? Well, the uh, thing is, like, Covington was an undrafted player. McConnell, undrafted player. They're finding these guys. They took a chance on all these players that were diamonds in the rough, potentially. Most of them didn't work out. A few did. Sarge, no one wanted to take a chance on him. We got a first-round pick and Sarge for Alfred Payton. I mean, these things add up. And, and for and for a while, people killed them for getting rid of Payton because of how well he was playing, and, and you have to give it to them for their patience there. But for every good patience. thing that came out of the process, there is an equal disappointing or bad thing that that somebody can argue the other side. And that's the problem with the process now is you have a different person running it, and the results are kind of incomplete. You, they haven't. Here's the thing: Who have they extended to a contract that they've drafted yet from the process? 
Nobody. No, nobody, yeah. They've traded everybody away. So they've had so much turnover. They focus so much on getting assets, Jeff's bad word, along with process, <laughs> that they don't have the actual, they have assets, but they don't have long-term commitments yet. That, at this point, yeah, and particularly with the way the injuries and draft picks have played out, it's kind of been pushed along. But now with the regime change and you have Colangelo in, I think that this was actually the last trade deadline that you'll see the Sixers being major sellers. They're, even though I would like the process to play out as it was quote-unquote planned by Hinky, I think they're going to start trying to accelerate it and like really make a run at the playoffs next year, maybe try and get Paul George or Jimmy Butler. I agree they're going to try and um, move the process forward. I don't think that they're going to be in tank mode. I think they're going to try and make some moves that make the team better in the long run in the um, offseason. We need to take a break here. You're listening to The Heart of Sports on 610 AM Sports. And when we return, we'll be talking more about the 76ers and about the Flyers and and our our take on uh, what's going on in sports here. It should be fun. The offseason should be fun. And, and uh, let's see what, what happens. You're of not course, having fun? Oh, oh, yeah, I'm having fun because I like basketball. I enjoy the Sixers. I enjoy watching them play. Whether they win or they lose, it really doesn't matter anymore because it, 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 they're not going anywhere. We'll be right back. Let me tell you, buying or selling a home is a life-changing decision. Whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home, Ann Coons is the realtor you need. In fact, she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home. With over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley, Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve. When it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. You can call Ann Coons today at 856-795-4709. Again, that's 856-795-4709. Or learn more on the web at www.annkoonsrealestate.com. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. And we're back. This is the heart of sports on 610 AM Sports. I'm Jeff Rutberg, along with Jason Springer and Ryan Strauss. So we talked in the last segment about the Sixers a little bit. Uh, question for you both. We've talked about what's left on the team right now to go and watch. Sarich, Holmes, McConnell playing uh, good ball in terms of distributing. They, they play hard. You guys going to watch? Yeah. I, li- I like the Sixers. You going to go? I might. Would I you, might, yeah. So you'd spend money to go and yeah watch. because it's professional uh, basketball and you get to see the other guys uh, that are still on the team 
Ryan, how about you? Would you go and watch? I'll be there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what it's going to do to attendance and ratings. You really had some buzz going about the team. You had some excitement back in the arena. Embiid, you know, he was can't miss TV. It's, It's what we haven't had since Iverson left the city in terms of the Sixers. If he was playing, you were trying to watch or you were catching the highlights. I wonder... If that buzz holds out, if if people are still excited about the team or if they're so discouraged by what has happened, this has been a tough month for the Sixers between the injuries that the players have had, between the trades, the inability to trade Okafor after the expectations that were set up. This has really been a difficult month for Sixers fans in terms of people who believed in what the team was doing. So I wonder what the reaction is going to be. Well, March Madness is coming up. <laughs> and and then uh, so I think a lot of attention will be taken away from the Sixers, and by the end by April, uh, it'll only come down to just a few games. You a big March Madness fan? Oh yeah, I love it. I used yeah. to. So my parents would joke that I didn't actually go to class when I was supposed to, but the first day of the tournament was always a holiday for me. I would take off and watch the game starting at twelve o'clock, and I. I loved it when they created the the thing online where you could watch and it has the boss button, so it flips over to a spreadsheet as if you're Best actually idea ever. as if you're actually doing work, so nobody can catch that you're watching all the games. Do you guys fill out tournament brackets? Oh yeah. Uh, sometimes, sometimes I I fill it out sometimes as they go. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a question I always have for people: Do you fill out one bracket or multiple? Brackets? I was about to say you have to do one, otherwise you're just cheating the system. It's not like you're not making a pick; you're just playing the odds. So difference. I I do one bracket and I follow it, and I'm not normally discouraged that I'm eliminated early on anymore because I, in all fairness, I don't watch nearly as much college ball as I did when I was in college. I find I had much more time to watch all the games that were on TV. Uh, but it is a fun time of year, and the atmosphere for those games is just something that you can't replicate. That's right. I, I, have you guys gone to a uh, NCAA tournament games? Not to an NCAA tournament. They're expensive. Those tickets are very expensive. I tried to get tickets a few years ago to the NIT at Madison Square Garden, and they were just too prohibitive. Years ago, uh, the... The game was at Madison Square Garden, the the championship, and uh, I believe it was the Final Four or the Great Eight or something like that. My grandfather had won a raffle, uh, like a lottery, and we went to the game, and I, I still have a corduroy hat from the, the tournament game going, and I just remember how cool it was with the bands and the cheerleaders and the mascots and the, the fans that just got so into it, and ever since then, I've been in love with the NCAA tournament. I think it's so much fun. I... I literally will sit there and be glued to the TV to watch the different games. I went to Atlantic City with a friend of mine about five years ago. We saw a uh, like a semifinal game, I think it was, uh, for, the co- for one of the conferences. It was basketball. It was great. And I've also been to the Frozen Four. Uh, and it is, college hockey, college basketball is a lot of I've fun. I've been to the Final Four for the college of lacrosse, too. That's, that's oh, yeah, fun, too. Oh, yeah, me too. I've been to the championship game. I mean, I just enjoy those atmospheres where, where your team has played all year and the fans that are dedicated to it go to that championship, and they get as into it as the players do in terms of wanting to win. It seems like college kids have a certain connection and college fans have a certain connection to their school that professional sports fans the emotion at a college game is so strong and that's kind of what draws people to it a lot i think it is jeff we saw some emotion the other night in college basketball right what what happened tell us uh young ryan our michigan alum here was not thrilled with what happened the other night were you watching i was not okay Okay. for our listeners jeff what happened well 
there was a uh, it was uh, who was it? Northwestern was playing uh, Michigan, and uh, Northwestern had the ball with uh, what couple, one second, one second left. left. So he throws a pass all the way down the length of the court. Reminiscent of Christian Leitner. Longer than Leitner's shot. Leitner's shot came from the foul line. This guy was literally underneath the basket with somebody and, on him. And he caught it like a, a wide receiver would. And, and uh, Not one of the one Eagles step, receivers. One, no. <laughs> if that was the Eagles, he would have dropped that ball. That's right. But he didn't. <laughs> and he and a layup and Northwestern won. And they stormed the court. And they stormed the court and, and stormed him. The, the interesting thing is that uh, I had seen... Michigan uh, take Rutgers down. Uh, Thank you for the reminder. Yeah, and, appreciate and, that. Yeah, uh, and I was, I was, I want you to know, I was rooting for Rutgers. Appreciate that as well. Uh, we, we played well in that game until we lost. Story yeah. of Rutgers' career. But and this isn't about Rutgers. No, this is about Northwestern. Northwestern, and so now Northwestern will probably get into the NCAA, and I guess Michigan won't. Ryan, is is Michigan going to end up in the NIT over this? We might. It's <laughs> we're on the bubble. We really need that game. We'll see how. The end of the season goes. That was a tough one for a Michigan fan right there. I, I thought of that. I thought of uh, Ryan and I thought of uh, some other friends that have gone to uh, Michigan. Yeah, I was at the Final Four a few years back when they were in it down in Atlanta. And that was once-in-a-lifetime experience. Student tickets were pretty much on the court. You're what was right it there. like to watch a championship game in an arena like that? I, I saw it in a much closer setting at the Garden, which is a big arena. But Atlanta was in the stadium, and oh, that's yeah. a different feel for a game. Absolutely. I mean, you have a football-sized crowd watching. There's so much energy in the stadium, and I think it's hard for the players to adjust to the depth perception that they have in those football stadiums. How was the sight lines? Was it good well, to see? Well, I was pretty—again, I was uh, right on behind the baseline. Oh, so you were doing yeah. just fine. You had no complaints. Jeff, have you gone anything like that? You've, you've been to a lot of sports and a lot of games. I've, I used to go to the Palester a lot. I went to Penn for a couple of years. And, now that's a good place be, to see a game. Great game. Great place to see a game. In fact, uh, uh, I went about uh, maybe four or five years ago, took my daughter there, went with a friend. And the sight lines are great, but when I went, they had the City Series, and there was always a doubleheader. And it was, I missed uh, that. Oh, that was, they were great games. So my dad was a Temple fan, and so we used to watch the old Temple teams with Mark Macon oh, back yeah. in like the, the late 80s, and we would go and see games at McGonagall Hall. Sure. And I loved going to see games there. You're talking four or 5,000 people in an arena right on top of each other. You can't right. beat that feel. That's why I enjoy the rack up at Rutgers, because it's, although it's a bigger stadium at eight 9,000 people, it feels like one of those smaller, on top of them, old school stadiums. Yeah, but it, it's pretty steep in that second level yeah it it's not like easy a, it's not easy on the legs the, it's a workout no, for you but it's a good thing there's railing there so it is a good myself speak, up. thought i was mountain climbing so speaking of steep climbs the flyers have <laughs> a steep climb <laughs> to try and make the playoffs uh they have had an interesting <laughs> up and down season and we talked a little bit about the trade deadline jeff they did make a move what did they do they traded for this guy named uh, uh philip philupa philpola and he and he, he scored last he night he scored last night he yeah did. And uh, and that was good, but then Mark Strait, who they uh, they traded, now is on the Penguins, and he gets a chance to play for the Stanley Cup. So they traded Mark Strait to Tampa Bay for a Philpola and a draft pick. Right. And then Tampa Bay flipped him to Pittsburgh for a draft pick. So I don't think the Flyers would have sent him directly to Pittsburgh. No. But Pittsburgh makes out good in that they get a good quality defenseman that they can add to their rotation. Right. I thought the Flyers, it's questionable. I'm not sure why you commit that money to that player long term. It doesn't necessarily solve your financial problems. 
I do have more faith in the Flyers with draft picks at this point than I do other teams. So when they get a draft pick, I'm not as disappointed. But they also extended, when you're talking about extending before, they extended uh, Neuwirth and uh, one other player. I can't remember. Which was surprising to me, not that they extended Neuwirth, but that they didn't trade Mason. I really thought that that was the making it call that Neuwirth is going to be our goalie of the future. Now, last night, Mason stood on his head and was spectacular in the Flyers game, making a save on a breakaway in the last minute of the game to take it into overtime that was just unreal. Uh, Really a very good game by Mason. But the fact is that Neuwirth has been the goalie they've been riding. They give him a deal. You've got Stolarz down in the minors. You've got some other goalies on the come from the minors. I thought that they would have that Mason would have had value for a team looking to make a push in the playoffs. I was surprised that they didn't move him. Well, yeah, he had trade value. I was surprised at that too, but I'm glad because I like him. So Philpo is a forward, right? He is. He's going to play center for the team. So he gives them some center depth. He lets them have a couple different line rotations. He's definitely another player in the mix. And he lets them not bring their young players up yet. Let them continue to get more experience and learn their craft while you have a guy who is an NHL player filling the role. Right. So I saw we have to have a $5 million cap commitment next year. So he has a no trade where now the the Flyers are kind of stuck with him. That was the surprising part to me. They can't leave him unprotected for the for the expansion draft with Las Vegas. So he's going to be a roster spot for the team. Now, look. I, in honesty, don't know enough about his game to know whether he'll be worth that $5 million. I don't know what's going to happen with the NHL salary cap next year, whether they'll be okay, whether they'll make other moves that will give them some more cap flexibility. But in terms of getting rid of a little bit of the glut at defense, especially when you have more young defensemen coming up in the system, I thought it was a smart move for the Flyers to move on for him. Especially because I think a lot of their defensemen are one-year contracts, uh, Delzato and Gudis. So... It seems like those defensemen will have room to yeah, get I mean, promoted. Yeah, I mean, you've got and then... Provorov and Gossespierre, and now you've got more guys coming up behind them, and you're going to start to see the turnover of the Flyers' defense to that next generation. I still go back to the ultimate question we've been asking since Pelly Lindbergh, who's the Flyers' goalie going to be? Is Neuwirth your guy? And that I just don't know yet. He's streaky. Mason seems like he has difficulty playing when... Neuwirth is a guy that that is creeping up on him. But Mason has shown that he's been streaky too. Well, that's so. when when he there's somebody nipping at his heels. When Mason isn't the clear number one, he doesn't seem to play as well. His best hockey was played when Neuwirth was injured. Yeah, but uh, Stol- what's his name? Stolarz? And Stolarz played basically two but, games during that streak. Mason was well. the everyday goalie. There was no question about who the starter was going to be. When you have Neuwirth, you know, they, they, they said if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. If you have two goalies, you have none. So you well, Right now, a- San Francisco 49ers have no quarterbacks on their team. That's right. Colin Kaepernick isn't going to resign, though he did say he's going to start standing for the national anthem next season. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, with regard to goalies, I think kind of like we've seen a trend in the NFL running backs becoming less of a um, more of a committee. You're seeing that in the NHL with goalies, too. I think less and less teams use one goalie for 60 or 70 games. A lot of times it's more split, and then you just go with whoever's hottest in the playoffs. Don't I know that playing fantasy hockey? I can't stand it when teams <laughs> play back-to-back games and they sit their goalie one night of the two in the matchup, and I need points from them. So your fantasy hockey <laughs> league has how many managers in it? Uh, my fantasy hockey league has 10 teams in it. We're in the playoffs right now. The semifinals start next week, so I'm waiting to see who I play after this week's wins. Are you this able is- to say your team name on air? 
Uh, yes, it's uh, binders full of hockey pucks after the that's binders full of women years ago. I just haven't changed it for years. But that's our that's our fantasy hockey team. And, I mean, the league is fun. Again, we've talked fantasy in the past on the show. It's it's as much social for me as it anything else to be able to talk trash to people and just have fun when you beat them. And, um, I mean, it's funny. My, my wife jokes that all she cares about is beating one person in the league. And as long as we beat that person, then we're all good. Now, I would like to win the league because it'd be kind of fun to be able to do that. But that hasn't happened yet for my team. So the, getting back to the Flyers. So they're going to – suppose they finish out of the playoffs – so they're still going to get a mid-round pick in the first round. Yeah, right? look, so, they're going to do. They're going to have their draft picks regardless. The NHL is. I mean, the NHL. It seems like draft picks are easily tradable and movable for players more than other leagues. I don't know if they're valued. They're kind of similar to baseball in that um, it's such a long draft at times that there's they're not valued the same way. So I'm less worried about where the Flyers finish in the standings. Because if they want to move up, they'll be able to. They'll okay, have people well. that they can package to get other picks. They have young guys in the system. My question more for the Flyers is their long-term financial flexibility. You need to be able to have the ability to bring in somebody to take you to the next level. Right now, they are not scoring enough consistently. They play well on the power play. But when they're 5-on-5, five five, it is painful to painful. watch yeah, they don't i score. mean they don't, they don't score. score they don't have shots to get through they're right. blocked if there isn't some type of mismatch man advantage in the game going on it's really tough to watch the flyers play hockey at times well with thopala he has 27 assists and only seven now eight goals so hopefully he brings some creativity to the offense can help us on the five and five hopefully he becomes a good distributor for them a number of years ago the flyers and the blackhawks we're vying for the number one overall pick. In the ah, Black Patrick Hawks. Kane. Patrick draft. Kane. Yes. And he's helped them win, what, two Stanley Cups so far? Look, right? that's three. Exactly. Oh, who's, three? But who's counting? Three? Or, hey, okay. By the way, did you, guys, did you guys see the other night when uh, they thought that Wayne Simmons scored a hat trick and they gave the, the goal to Jake Voracek after everybody threw their Everyone hats lost on the ice? Their hat yeah. So let, we talk about the good that comes out of sports. He decided to donate a couple hundred hats uh, to kids with cancer. Uh, because of that so at the very least something good came out of it but i kind of laughed about that if i was a fan that threw my hat on the ice for a fake hat trick how would i feel well you you have to know that uh when you go to a hockey game you bring an old ratty hat that uh if you're gonna throw a hat out there otherwise you don't get your good hat back so technically you don't have to know that because i didn't know that but i heard somebody say that earlier this week and it made so much sense to me that i wondered how i made it 38 years in life and never thought to bring an old hat to throw out rather than my new hat that i like i usually sit in the upper deck so so you're not throwing i'm not throwing so the person below you is going to end up with your hat hat, not the ice yeah all right you're listening to the heart of sports on 6 10 a.m sports It's time for our final break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the different sports teams and especially about the Phillies. Stay right with us. Let me tell you, buying or selling a home is a life-changing decision. Whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home, Ann Coons is the realtor you need. In fact, she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home. With over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley, Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve. When it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. 
You can call Ann Coons today at 856-795-4709. Again, that's 856-795-4709. Or learn more on the web at www.annkoonsrealestate.com. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Great to be back with you on the Heart of Sports on 610 AM Sports. I'm Jeff Rutberg with Jason Springer and Ryan Strauss. Yeah, we're still hanging out. Ready to talk some baseball, guys? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. All right. Spring training going. Crack of the bat. Who's listening and watching? Ryan, you, you've been watching games? Both. And listening. Both listening and watching. Jeff, you've been listening and watching? Not yet. You're not the spring training guy yet. I am. Actually, I've been to spring training. Okay. I was working as a nurse down in Florida. Yeah. And one day's off. I got to see some Yankee games and, and Oriole games. I went last year. The Phillies were playing the Braves at Disney, and I went and visited my best friend in Orlando, and we went and saw a game. That was fun. Uh, I went to Yankees games a few years ago down there when I was a younger kid with my grandparents. Ryan, you ever been to spring training? Yeah, I have. I saw a game at Disney as well. Never been to the Phillies spring training grounds, but it's always fun to get down there in March. You know, just getting to spring and it's warm and baseball I want to go sometime just to check out that tiki bar that they have at the stadium. It's supposed to be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm not it. the biggest drinker, but it just sounds kind of cool to be able to watch a game at a tiki bar. Well, and it's also nice. They have this uh, berm, uh, like a lawn that you can, and out in center field that you could watch the game, kind of like the Man Music Theater yeah. in Philadelphia. So I'll have to go there sometime in my life. Right now, I'll focus on trying to get the little sleep that I can, but... You know, there's a lot going on with baseball. We've got string, spring training with the Phillies. Ryan, you're a big fan. We've got the World Baseball Classic, too, going on right now. Yeah, it's starting next week. This is the fourth ever World Baseball Classic, an international baseball tournament. Uh, last time was won by the Dominican Republic, and the first two were won by Japan. And what's cool about it is Major League Baseball players participate, unlike in the Olympics when you see baseball there. Sometimes they don't it's amateur so how's the u.s team looking this year u.s team is really stacked we're i think going to challenge for the championship they line up projects something like this christian yelich uh andrew mccutcheon giancarlo stanton paul goldschmidt arenado buster posey adam jones and brandon crawford i mean that's an all-star lineup pretty good lineup i don't know what the other teams have going on i i am interested so the games are played all around the world which means that some of them will be on in the middle of the night which slightly excites me because I'm up in the middle of the (laughs) night now changing diapers and feeding. So it will give me something to watch when I can't fall back to sleep now, something that's not in a rerun. A lot of the games are actually going to start at 5 a.m., so in your morning you'll be able to watch uh, Korea and Japan. Do you know what's helpful about that? I'm up at 5 a.m. a lot There you go. So I'll be able to see some of the World Baseball Classic. Teach your son baseball at a young age. And if my wife is up, 
I don't know if she'll be interested, but she can watch it too. We'll be up. Your so son. That, that teach won't him be, baseball. It's not like we have to wake up early for baseball. Teach him baseball. All he's interested in at that time is either being changed or eating food. He really doesn't care about baseball at all. Then. You have to be really careful that uh, you don't get too excited over the ball game and forget to look down and see what's going on because you'll end up with the diaper on backwards or... Yeah. Or he'll be... Uh, Believe yeah. me, I concentrate. I do not do other things. Um, but I don't... <laughs> multitask. Yeah, I'm not a multitasker when it comes to that yet. I am very focused on making sure that things work out correctly there, okay? Yeah, shut the sound off of the TV. I, I move into the other room and take care of things, and then we go back to watching whatever sport. We actually watched the Sixers game the other night together. We were talking about trusting or not trusting the process, Jeff. He does not seem to trust the process. No. He, no. He's a good true Philly fan. Anything that takes you away from uh, him, yes. he's going to be very upset. He has no faith in the process at all. He right. wants nothing yeah. to do with it. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how he feels as we get into spring training with the Phillies games. Are, Jeff, are you going to watch the World Baseball Classic? Is that something that you're Probably, interested in? Probably, if uh, I, I happen to be around uh, when they're on. you know. I think it's fun. Uh, anytime you get a country behind their athletes, I think it's fun and exciting. I think, unfortunately for the U.S., our fans don't get as into the international tournaments as some of the countries do with their teams, where they really get very passionate about it. U.S. fans seem to get into it when they make it to the semifinals or the finals. Right, exactly. But the opening yeah. round game, it's sort of a prove to me or show me that I should watch this team type of thing. And so you wonder if the U.S. gets off to a good start, will people get more into the World Baseball Classic this year? When you watch soccer, a lot of times you can identify a certain style with a country. Um, with baseball, we typically don't do that. But what I really love about the tournament is it showcases – some of those aspects that you don't normally get to see. I mean, a lot of the Japanese pitchers throw sidearm, for example, and um, they also are more slap hitters just going for singles. It's a different style of baseball, and I'm excited to see the tournament, not only for the fan passion, which is, you know, I mean, Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, they, Venezuela, they love their teams for this tournament, but also, again, the styles that the players exhibit. Well, and what teams are in it this year that haven't been in in past years? You've got Israel playing this year. You've got some other teams that will will play. It's it's a great opportunity for some players who wouldn't normally get some recognition to be seen by major league scouts and major league players and maybe get their name out there. But let's go back to spring training for a second. So the Phillies' young players look like they're playing well this spring. I don't know whether they'll actually come north from spring training or whether they'll they'll end up in the minor leagues in terms of which players will be on the roster, the 40-man at this point. But we've seen some young players making a little bit of progress, it looks like. I think that uh, uh, Alfaro, the catcher, uh, I think he will, he will be the backup because they're going to try Andrew Knapp uh, at first base, or no, probably at first base. I don't, I don't know any other position they would try him at. But if Knapp can play backup to um, Tommy Joseph, then he'll make the team and Alfaro make the team, and then they'll actually have three catchers on the team. And we talked last week about the Iron Pigs and how good they can be in terms of their roster with some of the young players. You're seeing some of those guys play well in spring training, right, Ryan? Yeah, you are. Nick Williams, I've really liked him so far, as well as a second baseman who I think might end up in Reading, Scott Kingerchi. He's been turning some heads that people didn't see. You also saw their draft pick last year, Mickey Moniak, come back with 20 pounds of extra muscle on now that – you know, he's in the, the team's workout program. 
those things are exciting to see as you see young players. Those are going to be the kid, the players that my kid roots for. There's some really good pitchers in the uh, on the team. They they have a backup of picture, pitchers, and so Adam Morgan, who did very poorly as a uh, starter, he may end up uh, in the in the bullpen, which could be great because he's a left-hander and he and he has some potential. I think we're going to have to watch and see what the team does this year, who they bring up. Uh, it looks like Aaron Nola, his arm has held up well so far in spring training. I know that was a concern for, for fans going in. We'll have to see what happens as they go forward, but you're going to see a young team playing hard. They're going to try and earn their spot every day. You're not going to see players who are set in their ways, set in their contracts. There's always going to be somebody pushing them. So I'm excited to see that this year. Again, I will say the Phillies are the most honest team in Philadelphia right now. They are telling you flat out that they do not believe they're a playoff team yet. And doesn't it sound like they're negative, though? It's honest, though. Like, if, if the truth is negative, it's still the truth. They are acknowledging that they are not there yet. They want to be there. They're working to get there, but they're treating you as an adult rather than somebody who can't read the same headlines and see the same things on the field. If you throw out a bunch of minor leaguers and say that we're going to win the World Series, you lose credibility. It's the problem with the Sixers now. You're telling them that the sky is blue when they know that it's dark and overcast. Hmm. You can't tell somebody something that's not true over and over again and have to continue to believe it. So instead, the Phillies are taking a different tack. You have Klintek, who is very committed to his own process of developing players and sticking to his plan and plugging pieces in and building for the future, that comforts me more than a team that's grasping at straws to try and satisfy a desperate fan base just to make the playoffs and not be good enough to advance. And I think it's good this year that they don't have Ryan Howard you know, on the on the bench uh, uh, playing because of his contract. It's not good for this show because you are definitely going to be down one thing to talk about. You love talking about Ryan Howard's lack of production last season. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to have a Ryan Howard watch if he's on some other team on how he's doing. He had a nice second half. I will tell you this. I am not going to miss that shift that they used against him. No. I am uh-huh. I am not going to miss. When you said slap hitters in the, the, in the world is, baseball. baseball baseball's changed. It's a new era of baseball more than, like, 60% or 70% of the plays, they're doing a significant shift. A significant shift, yes. Moving to the other state, no. <laughs> no. I mean, right. that wasn't a significant shift. That was everybody standing on first base, basically. I mean, it got to a point where it was just ridiculous. Or, or in the they outfield. Would, they were in the outfield at right field. There was literally six players standing within 20 feet of each other. Right. Where are you going to put the ball, no matter what you do? And there's some hitters that, uh, with a shift like that, could slap it into uh, left field. Well, but, that's... But Howard couldn't. He did not make those adjustments. He was a power hitter, and that was his game. And it it was either swing for the fences or you'd have the strikeout record. And that was the the pro and the con of Ryan Howard. At one time in this city, he was couldn't miss baseball. He was Joel Embiid. He was Allen Iverson. He was the guy that you didn't want to miss when he came up because he could put a home run over the center field wall. And then all of a sudden, after the injury, he became the guy that every once in a while would pop one, but for the most part would struggle either hitting into the shift or striking out or just missing it because he didn't quite have the same power in his legs that he did before. We talked last week on the show about analytics, and I think what that's done across all the major sports is kind of ushered in an era where one-dimensional players are just being phased out, and you really have to have a well-rounded game. And in baseball, not only are you seeing that through – things like the shift 
and knowing exactly the tendencies of the pitcher and hitter, but also in that the the players have such an understanding of the scouting of the opposing. Uh, they're the so zone. they're so prepared right. now yeah. for what they're going to face. I mean, I mean, everything is broken down and analyzed. And, and you're right, the statistics you get tendencies for the likelihood that somebody will throw a pitch in a certain place if you're a hitter. You get tendencies if you're if you're a fielder, the likelihood that they will hit the ball to that part, and you move there. It makes you a better player at that point. And you talked about Ryan, like Ryan Howard, just going all or nothing for the fences. In baseball last year, it was the second most home runs ever in a season. I think the trend that you're seeing in baseball, partly because of the shift and it's hard to just get singles, a lot more guys are swinging for the fences. You have relievers being used left and right, throwing 95-plus miles an hour. Guys are going for all or nothing, and that is also in part slowing down the game because you have longer at-bats, you have more walks, more strikeouts, and more, foul more pitching changes. It's not exciting to quote unquote to people. I love it, but not the. Cat, I, I did right? hear Rob Manford on the radio talking about ways to try and speed up the game. They have a play clock down in the minor leagues. Some people don't really like that. Um, there is an unofficial time limit. I'd like to see the umps move the game along a little bit. They're going to try and go to more technology in terms of replays. They don't have to walk off the field and get a big, huge cellular phone on their head and call somebody. So they are going to try and do things to speed up the game. We've got five minutes left in the show, though, Jeff. The intentional walk. The intentional walk. They're going to automatically give them the base. So some traditionalists may not like that as much, but that will speed up the game a little bit. Yeah, I just want to make one last Phillies point. I think Matt Stairs will really do a good job as hitting coach. I know he was also a swing for the fences guy. But I think he'll help the players with their approach and trying to work walks. I'm happy more. to see that. And I'm interested to hear John Cruck in the TV booth. That'll be uh, fun to hear some of his stories. We've got a few minutes left. Ryan, will you be going to the home opener for the Philadelphia Union this weekend? The Next weekend. This next weekend, weekend they're at Vancouver. Next weekend they play at Vancouver. Okay, This weekend's you, at Vancouver. Will you be watching on Sunday evening for the game? So you won't be traveling to Vancouver. It's a little <laughs> bit of a fun not. trip. A little bit of a trip for you. Unless you want to play for my plane ticket uh that's unlikely to happen but so you'll be watching and next week you'll be watching at home so for our fans who haven't been following the union in the offseason as a fan what are you expecting from the soccer team this year i'm expecting a playoff berth again but i don't think it'll be uh, getting a bye i think they'll sneak into the playoffs as the fifth or sixth seed out of 11 you have a new team in the eastern conference atlanta united and i think they will actually be one of the best teams in mls they, How? They spent um, like over $10 million to get three really top-quality South American attacking midfielders. And so why can't the union do that? We're, Ra- we're not a big money market. Oh, rate another team. Well, the union, they did make a one particular signing that I really liked, and they signed a Bosnian midfielder named Harris uh, Medunjanin. I'm just impressed you could say his name. Uh, only because... Say that three Kincaid, times fast, yeah. Brian. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I won't even try. You won't even try. But so there is some hope for Union fans this year. Uh, we, you are excited. How's the goaltending situation? How well, are we looking this year? So goal, we had the goalie of the year last year, Andre Blake. And he's the, back. The fear was that he was going to leave to Europe, and thank goodness he's back, and he's arguably the best goalie in the league. And so you think they're going to sneak in the playoffs? Jeff, are you going to get down to see any I, I am. I am. I, I really plan on getting to see several games. 
I think it's good. I think it should be fun. And in future shows, I'm going to uh, roll out a uh, new idea for a league for uh, boys and girls to play together. I think uh, that needs to be entrepreneurs done. on the show. Yeah, but I, I also want to change the uh, uh, number of players on the on the on each team and, and on the field at one time. We'll get to that. So, the, well, I think is good about MLS is it's kind of matured a lot as a league. And Jeff, like that, I could see that definitely catching on and getting attention still. But what kind of irked a lot of traditional soccer fans in the beginning of the MLS was that they were doing, you know, like a 35-yard shootout and just not having ties. Um, are you a fan of MLS, Jason? I am. I'm a, but again, that surprises nobody. I'll watch anything. Right. But I, I enjoy... I enjoy watching MLS. It's a fun atmosphere to go see a Union game. Uh, the Sons of Ben, I always enjoyed them in the corner, jumping in, up and down the whole game. It's funny, the first time I went to a game, I didn't realize I was sitting in with them. And so the next thing I know, everybody's jumping up and down around me, and I'm just like, uh, okay, I came here to see a game. <laughs> so it was news to me. But that's going to be the end of it for this week. Jeff, any last comments? Ryan, anything else before we sign off for the week? Go Phillies. Go Phillies. Ryan? Go Sixers. And I'll be rooting for the Eagles to do something good this week in free agency. Until we join you next week, thanks for everybody for listening. Have a great one. Bye-bye.